So let's 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 change demands real quick for this. I like to smoke meat. And I've gotten really good at smoking brisket recently. That's the thing I've been focusing on the last six months or so. And my You dad, should probably enunciate that word a little better. What did I say? Well, I mean, you said you liked to uh, smoke meat, but it really sounded like I like to smoke weed. Oh, no. I like to smoke meat. There meat, we go. I just wanted to make sure everyone was clear yes. that you did not have a job where you smoked weed all day. I don't know what such, like, such a job would be like. Anyway, no, I, I smoke meat. Meat, M-E-A-T, meat. Just so we're abundantly 100% clear. Thank you for that. Where was I going with this? So, Jeff, I had a, I had a question for you. Um... This this might get a little semantic, but uh, that's okay. I think you're my favorite. You don't mind those discussions. My favorite discussion time. Um, and that is, I am so looking forward to this conversation. I know you are, which is why I've saved this for this day in particular. So my question for you, Jeff, is what is the difference between a professional and a professional? What? Between a professional and a professional? Yes. Is one like capitalized? Uh, I mean, maybe. By definition, there's no difference. Okay. See, I would agree with you, but I also simultaneously disagree with you. Okay. But you, math says you can't. There's no disagreement. If the two things oh, are. Oh, no, the no, same. no, no, no. No, because that word means multiple things. Okay. No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. What do you call someone who is getting paid to do a job? A professional. You call them a professional. Right. Now, what do you call someone that's very skilled at a job? A you call them a professional. So the assumption those is that you're that things, skilled at it that you're getting paid to do it. So it's still part of the first definition. But those two things are not the same. There are many professional developers that are getting paid that are not professional by skill. By contrast, there are many professional developers by skill that are not getting paid to do it. Imposters, then. But, well... One class. No, but the fact is, is if somebody's getting paid to do a job, we naturally call them a professional. No, okay, so I'm going to revise it then. So th this, is, this is why I'm coming to this, because this is, when people say, are you a professional, like, are you a professional developer? Or, I run into this with photography a bunch, are you a professional photographer? What does that actually mean? Does it mean, are you getting paid to do the thing, or does it mean, are you good at the thing? Because those two things are not necessarily going to be true at the same time or false at the same time. So in general, if someone asks you that question, the answer is always, yes, I'm a professional. Because I think my skills are high enough for that. Well, no, that's okay. That's not true. I can't just blanket say that. But if I'm in a conversation... So let's, let's, let's change demands real quick for this. I like to smoke meat. And I've gotten really good at smoking brisket recently. That's the thing I've been focusing on the last six months or so. And my you dad, should probably enunciate that word a little better. What did I say? Well, I mean, you said you liked to uh, smoke meat, but it really sounded like I like to smoke weed. Oh, no. I like to smoke meat. There meat. we go. I just wanted to make sure everyone was clear yes. that you did not have a job where you smoked weed all day. I don't know what such, like, such a job would be like. Anyway, no, I, I smoke meat. Meat. M-E-A-T. Meat. Just so we're abundantly 100% clear. Thank you for that. 
Where was I going with this? I don't know. I think Change you're going to say professional. No, but okay, I know where I'm going. I think it's a joke. Maybe it's not. My dad asks, uh, "This is good enough? Could you do this like for a restaurant? It's professional." And I'm like, "Not at scale. I can make one brisket really good. I can't make twenty briskets really good. I don't have the facilities for that, and I don't have the training for that." Like there's there's a lot of other skills that come along with it. So I wouldn't say I'm a professional meat smoker, but I can produce professional results. I think so. I mean, I'd put my brisket up against what you can go get a restaurant. Most, most, uh, well, okay, around in Texas, it's a, it's, there's a lot of really good smoked meat places. So maybe I can't compete with all of them, but a lot, you know, in the rest of the United States, I'd put my brisket up against a lot of places that you get smoked meat. And I think I would come out ahead. But again, I only do one, maybe two at a time. So I don't, if someone were to ask me, am I professional? Like, I think I have skills like that, but I wouldn't call myself a professional because I've never sold my smoked meat as a product before. Ever. The second I go sell some, does that mean then by one of the definitions I'm a professional? I think so. And pair that with my skill set, you could then make the case that I meet the other definition. I'm good at what I do. So... I don't, uh, originally I was going to contest and say that they, okay, one is, is feeding off the other, but I think I have to back up and, and kind of agree with the original premise that no, they're not the same thing. I think this is something that has come about recently because hmm. historically speaking, you know, you did what you were good at because that's how you were actually able to survive. Right. And, you know, did people have hobbies? Yes, but they weren't able to, in, uh, in general, let's, let's be clear, this is generalization, generalization, able to commit so much time to a hobby that they could become as skilled as the people who were doing that as a career. You know, if you go back to, say, the 1700s, okay, people that were, I, I don't know, stonemasons, let's say. Um, like, yeah, somebody might enjoy, you know, carving little stone things, you know, little maybe they're making their own little chess set or something. That, that could be a hobby of theirs. But they were never going to get good enough that they would compare with the people who were stonemasons by a job. Whereas today, we generally have a lot of free time. And the ability to pick up a lot of modern skills, and I put modern in quotations there, doesn't take as much, it's not as time intensive to rapidly get up to speed on something that maybe it would have taken in the past. Right. You can go watch a YouTube video now of some expert right. or some so-called expert showing you how to do it and teach yourself. Um, this is something that's come up when, with people in the photography space that I've talked to all the time because it's less of an issue now, but do you remember back when about when we were growing up, how they had those like photo stores in the mall and there were like three or four sets in there and like people could just literally walk in with their kids or their, or their significant other and be like, hey, we want to do photo. And there was somebody there, everything was set up, and they would take the pictures, and you would fill out the form, and then, you know, you would get mailed the pictures or whatever that you got. Some of those are still around, so like glamour shots kind of things. Yeah, some of them are, but they're definitely not as rare. Like, they used to be everywhere. I mean, I mean, apartment stores would have them, where you could actually go get the clothes that you wanted to buy and actually get new photos with them there. The point is, some of the people that worked in those were regular professional photographers. Like, they knew everything about photography. There were also a lot of people there that didn't because they didn't need to. They just knew in this scene, when I have somebody sitting on that stool, I turn these lights on, I turn the knobs on the camera to this, I make sure the lights are set to these numbers. They had a little card that would actually have the information on it. 
And then they would, you know, push the button a number of times, make sure it was in focus, and that was it. Well, technically, they were a professional. They were getting paid to do it. But if you handed them a camera on the street and said, take a photo of whatever, they wouldn't have the skill set to actually be able to do it because they didn't know all the fine details. They didn't know all the intricacies. They just knew how to do their job, which was a very small task. But technically, they were still a professional because they were getting paid to do it. Versus somebody who, you know, maybe they were a business person, they traveled around all over the place, and they also had a camera with them because they did a lot of traveling. And, they, and over time, they developed the skills because, you know, they're in a city for a week on some job, and every evening they have something to do. So they, their thing is like they walk around and take photos, and they learn over time. So they have years of hobbyist experience, which is then makes them get really good at something to the point that the hobbyist could actually be better than the professional. And I said both of those with air quotes. But yet when we say professional, there's like a mix of, well, we mean both, but we also kind of can only mean one or the other. And it kind of dilutes the value of the word itself, because what does someone mean when they say it? I think, yeah, that's the modern world we live in. And there's a lot of people that can pretend to be professionals, whether or not they actually have the skills or not. They'll just claim it. Most, most jobs do not have a governing body which decides you are professionally in this body or not. Like engineering and medicine fields and, and law. Well, medicine and, does. I mean, you pretty much have to pass certification. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm quoting the, the, the jobs that do, right? But there's, you know, these are well-known, regulated, heavily regulated. Realtors. Although technically they're not really a licensed from legislation or anything. That's just like a, a governing body that's negotiated well, like a union, effectively. So there are some, like, okay, so actors too. Like if you want to be, you want to be an actor with a capital A, you're probably going to join this Green Actors Guild and play by the rules. That's more of a union, though, than like a certification that you're actually any good. So like, they're just, they're in just Maryland, let anybody walk in, pay the dues, and you're in? Um, I'm pretty sure if you throw money at them, they'll take you. Doesn't mean you're getting any roles. Interesting. I, mean, I could be wrong, but I know that there's places you can do that. You can get a certificate or a license to do something because you have to pay for it. And they don't care, you know, because it's just, at the end of the day, they're not responsible if you're any good. They're just responsible for saying, yes, he paid his dues and, and got this piece of paper. You know, like in Maryland, interior design requires a state license. Don't ask oh, me why. <laughs> yep, yep. If if you want to be an interior designer in the state of Maryland, you have to get a state license to do it. You're yes, not allowed to do bizarre. it on your own. Independently, so, objectively bizarre. Yes, like you could be a fantastic designer. You know, being able to figure out what goes together, a home decor, and all this stuff, and it's fantastic. But you're technically not allowed to actually do that unless you get the state license. What's going to stop me from calling up a drapes company? Like, I want some drapes. Oh, no, you can I'm do that for your own house. You're just technically, with air quotes, not allowed to do it legally for other people for pay. I'm buying some drapes for my friend's house. Which you could do if you donated the drapes. But if your friend is paying you to pick out the drapes, then... Then that's the crossing the line. The license, yeah, the license police are Is there a governing it. body for this? Like an enforcement agency? I, I don't know. I haven't really looked into it because I have no desire to be an interior designer. Well, I mean, why not, you know my You know my design aesthetic. Um, let's just say rugged. Rugged and eclectic functional. and old. Functional Extremely and old. functional. <laughs> yes. Must be 50 years or, or, or older. Modern equipment need not apply. 
Well, no, modern equipment can apply. It's just regulated to certain spaces. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, his his house is a museum, as I've joked many times. And, uh, and it many... got museumier recently. Yeah, that's true. It did. Yeah. Maybe you'll share about that if a listener asks about it. So yeah. Well, I think I I did in the Telegram channel, in the Matrix oh, okay. channel. So yeah. if you're in there, then you you saw my my recent edition, which is awesome. Yeah. I was I was uh, if impressed. If you're listening to this and you don't know what that is, then maybe you should join those. Join and, the uh, Telegram you channel. Be, you would be in on the on the awesomeness that I uh, I have. Yeah. It was related to Star Trek. I'll just say that. Uh, wow. I'm just I mean, going to throw some I know, chaff out in the water I, there. I know why you said that, but that is like horrible bait, man. That is horrible bait. <laughs> I wonder what your dad would anyway, say about that. I don't know. That seems to be well, something I'll, he would have we'll, something entertaining to say something about. Probably. You'll have to, you'll yeah. have to see. I'll, I'll ask him, yeah. Um, but to anyway. pop the stack. Popping the stack, yep. So what's a professional? What does it mean? When should we use it? When should we not? Outside of those regulated governing bodies, I don't think you can really use it efficiently anymore. The internet has blurred those lines even more than they were before. So before the internet, you could still pose as a photographer. You could pose as this. You could put up an ad in the newspaper and say, I will shoot your kids with a camera and take their portraits. And someone may decide that that's good enough for them and walk into your house where you happen to have a sheet set up and take portraits and be happy with their product, right? Even before the internet, we had this problem. But I think the internet has exacerbated it considerably, especially now that you're competing globally with everybody else that does what you do. If I'm doing a service that could be done by anywhere, literally anyone could do it, I'm competing with everybody in the world, effectively. And so I have an incentive to want to cling to that word professional. So I might, whether it's ethical or not, state I'm a professional in this because that's, what's, that's what gets me work if I'm trying to. So maybe we need a different term for someone who's very good at their job because it seems like that's the one that would change because that's the one that's more unique and more rigidly defined. Someone who's very, very good at what they do such that people will want to shower them with money. Money. Not shower. People want to pay them for their skills because they're so good at it. That's the one I think would need a new term. Because the other one, I think, I think you're never going to wrest the term I'm a professional away from people that, that just want to get paid to do a thing. And technically, all in order to become a professional, by that definition, you only have to be paid one time. Right? Just once. That's all it takes. I became a professional computer person when I was in high school because someone paid me to fix their computer. Technically. I mean, that right. happens all the time. You know, you, you write something and it gets published in a newspaper. You're technically a published author. Definitely you are. Yeah. Right. Like, you might only have done one thing in an 80-year life, but you're still a published author. Wait, how old are you? Well, no, I'm, I'm using that as an example. Oh. Okay. I was like, wow, you look really good for 80. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what shampoo are you using? <laughs> So it's interesting that you, you mentioned something that you just said, because this was an, actually another subtopic or another topic that I had thought about that I've okay. been wondering about. And the internet has definitely made this more prevalent. And that is the, you're competing with the world. There are, like, <sighs> there are some good things and bad things about that, but it seems that there's a lot more bad than there is good. 
it seems that a lot more people are going to, I don't want to say suffer, but get the short end of the stick because they are now competing with the best people in the world at a task. So, for instance, we'll use photography again as an example. Used to be, if a company wanted to hire a photographer for something, some big ad campaign, they needed whatever. They would look regionally in their area to find, you know, what, what, who they could find that would be able to do a good job. Well, now, of course, they can literally source anyone from the entire world. So there's going to be a lot of, or there, I shouldn't say there's going to be, but I know situations. It seems like there's the potential for. I know for. situations where it has happened. I don't know how often it has happened, where a company has decided you know, there's somebody who we could get locally or, you know, eh, it's going to cost us like way, way more money, but we could get this guy and we could fly him in and he could do it. Okay. And then they go with that. Well, maybe that's going to work out for him. Or maybe that guy is going to realize this is a cake job. I just need to phone it in. Basically. I don't really need to put any effort into this because what they need and what they expect is not really what would challenge him. But because he can jet set around the world, he does that. He picks up the job. Now, somebody who otherwise may be a fantastic photographer in their area doesn't get that because, you know, the company decided they wanted to go with somebody that they found on Instagram who has a million followers. Because then you, you get the built-in benefit there that someone else who's unheard of doesn't. Right. And, it makes perfect and, sense. You know, you roll that forward and there's almost like a race to the top of who can have the the recognition of oh well we had we worked with so and so that then eliminates the possibility of it basically pulls the ladder up from the people trying to then build up to that skill level or to having that being able to get that kind of work because everybody starts chasing a narrower and narrower field because because of the internet and because of world travel that narrower field is now available to every everybody in every company I like that analogy, pulling up the ladder behind you. Yeah. I think um, when people specialize, when companies specialize, and it gets narrower and narrower, okay, yeah, you're competing with a narrower channel, but that also means there are going to be companies or entities that buck the trend and go a different direction, and there's fewer people in the other channels. Now, I don't have a good analogy coming to mind here, since we seem to be talking about photography. No, you can, you can bring up another analogy if it works. Well, well, I'm going to stick with photography, even though I don't know it very well. Portraiture doesn't seem like it's nearly as common as it used to be. Yeah, people do yearbooks, right? But if you're like a company, if you need a company headshot of your employee, you probably just have someone with the, their phone take a picture and, and put it into the website that does the thing, right? You don't need a portrait guy on staff. You don't need to have a portrait photographer on retainer because you've got all these people coming in to do headshots for. It's just not a thing that happens much anymore. I can't remember the last time I went and got a portrait. It's been a long time. There's no need. We all have good enough cameras in our phones or, or whatever running around. So that field is withered. But then I wouldn't call it portrait. It's withered just, except for the executive headshots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, or like if you're actors. That has gone a completely other direction where you have, yeah. you know, executives trying to get what in the past would have been kind of like a Hollywood-esque style fashion portrait 
because you know they're now an internet celebrity on all of the social networks because that's just the world we live mm -hmm. in right so there yeah so it, it's narrowed considerably it's shrunk considerably but the this is actually going in the opposite direction of proving my point now that i think about it i was this seems like there's been a, a large opening for whatever goes on instagram frankly. i would say the floor has widened okay but the ceiling has narrowed. And maybe that's not the best terms to use. But like the entry level has gotten pretty much blown away on everything. Anybody can get up to an entry level skill level on something pretty quick. I shouldn't say anybody, but I think most people. People with hands. Yeah, people with hands that, have, that have used them before and have learned, has some basic hand-eye coordination. <laughs> you know, they can get to a basic skill level in a lot of things, in a, with, let's say within a month. I think that's a fair, a fair time period. So getting that entry level experience and skill is really easy. And because of the internet, anybody can promote themselves as whatever professional, but at the pin, at the top end though, I think it's gotten a whole lot narrower because literally everyone in the world is available. If you happen to have the money to hire them. Okay. That's fair. I mean, yes, technically that was possible in the past, it was also a lot more expensive in the past. Yeah. You know, if a company wanted to hire somebody from London to do something specific for them, flying that person, get first off, getting in touch with them was going to be difficult and flying them over, then all of that. Whereas now you can hit somebody up on a social, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where, whatever, whatever platform you want, you know, a company could talk to the person in a few days, have that hammered out. International flights are, are a lot cheaper than what they used to be. I mean, they've gone up a little because of COVID, but they're also, Come, right. have come down some fuel costs have gone up quite a bit COVID yeah. landing at this that that double black swan there. but it's it's much more within reach for a company to be able to do that so like i i said before it, it narrows the field of who's actually going to get the work because more people have access yeah. to a fewer number of people and it seems to be like yeah. the inverse of like what we all were told the internet was going to do how it was going to create all the possibilities for everybody. Like it seems to create all yes. the possibilities for everybody up to a certain point. And then there's kind of like a cap where it's like, no, you don't get to go above here because you weren't in place soon enough to get the followers to be able to then pull all the ears and eyeballs to then get to the pinnacle. Or, you know, you just didn't get lucky by some algorithm. So... Sorry about your luck. Okay, so I, what comes to mind is there's a lot, so sticking with photography, there's a high demand for photography. This is a very long tail. Lots of people want photography, but they don't need high-quality photography, such that they're content to do it themselves with their own phones or whatever, right? And it, there's, um, it just feels like the opportunities for someone who wants to get paid to do it have diminished because the consumer grade stuff has gotten so good. So is that really the profession has evolved or, I mean, clearly the equipment has, I think it's, so when I'm, when I'm struggling to get a word out like this, let me see if I can convert it to a different context and see if we can still arrive at it. Um, 50 years ago, I bet a lot more people cut their own hair or had their family members cut their hair. Now, I would wager that most people go to a hair salon. It's just kind of accepted. But 50 years ago, 
hair was still very important 50 years ago. I'm not, not suggesting that it's gotten more or less important, but it, more people did their own or they went for simpler cuts or whatever. Now it's very common for people to have complicated layered hair. I mean, since the 90s, especially stupid frosted tips and layering and all that stupid crap that's now very common. But um, I'm very opinionated on hair, apparently. It, it seems like, see, that's going in the opposite direction of what photography does. Where before, everybody kind of had it, scissors. Everybody's got scissors in their house. I can go cut my own hair with my own scissors if I really want to. Yeah, see, I think what you're talking about is the, the move to service economy. Okay, yeah, so there you go. You, you're helping me find the words that I couldn't. You know, 50 years ago, on. everybody pretty much cut their own lawn. Now it seems like right. at least maybe even more than 50% of people have someone else cut their lawn because they don't want to do it themselves. They would rather pay a service to come and do it for them, which leads us to that uh, abysmal as a service mentality, which I despise. But Yeah, I, I was just saying that but there's some real contempt dripping off of that statement yeah. there. And then there's people like you who just don't mow. No, I mow. When? Like every week. You have a jungle outside. No, that's only on, that's only really? on the one side of the house. Oh, okay. That's fair. Ah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. On the other side. The part where all the cars are. That's the part yeah. you mow. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll take that back then. All but, the uh, cars. You're making it sound like I have a junkyard in my yard. Well, kind of did. No. You had like three vehicles that all needed major work before they would actually function. Okay. All of them except for one actually run. Okay. Okay. Run. Like run is being pushed down a hill. And can you make a turn at the bottom oh, of the do, hill? I can do that in run? Uh-huh, right. What's the, what about the one that you can't go more than, like, nine miles an hour? But I can get to the bottom of the hill and turn, which was, a, which oh, was what gosh. you predicated as your test. Fine. Fair enough. Right? So then I want to ask a question. How many cars in semi-working condition or non-working condition constitute a junkyard? How many cars do you have to have before it becomes a junkyard? I, I would definitely say more than one. More than what more you than have. More than two. Yeah, more than two. Two is just, you've got hobbies. Three, now maybe you're doing it as a business, or you've really got a serious hobby and a serious problem collecting cars. If you have four cars in need of serious repair on your property, then now you're starting to get towards junkyard territory. I also think it depends maybe. on the, the state of the vehicle. Like, True. if it's, right. if it's a then, vehicle that's in good working order other than, like, needing something done to it, I, I think the term junkyard is kind of loaded because that is, like, half disassembled cars, half rust. Yeah, you know, I, I think like Breaking Bad, it kept meeting in the junkyard for General Service Center usually has like five or six cars that are, you know, sitting there because people need work done on them, but they can't pay them. But we wouldn't call that a junkyard, even though there's technically okay. five or six vehicles there that do not run. Okay, but then, but you've got mixed in lots of vehicles that do run or need minor repairs. So I think what it is, it's a, a concentration. Yeah. Well, hopefully those should be leaving once they're repaired. They shouldn't be repaired and sitting. Right. Uh, yes, you're right. So but I guess what I'm getting at is what I'm thinking of as a junkyard is a concentrated collection of semi or non-functioning vehicles. That's what constitutes a junkyard. And you were on the threshold of that. I am I'll not on the threshold that. of that. Your truck cannot go around yes, corners. Yes, it can. Oh, you fixed yeah, that? I fixed the rear end in that. Okay. I don't remember that. I don't remember you telling me that. Maybe you did and you didn't I tell me. I sent you videos but of it. You've kind of always... Because I showed you that the I showed fix? you the uh thought you the, were demonstrating it was broken. Yeah, I showed you, you the bearing it. that was basically not there. Right. Okay, I vaguely recall that now. Yeah. All right. I have unfairly castigated you and I apologize. But you are flirting with junkyard territory. 
I would have with. to have like not, no. Not if there. I was gonna have a junkyard, it, there would have to be like a wagon in in the yard somewhere. <laughs> wagon? You mean a station wagon or like like old like old timey wagon? wagon. You, you go with the old timey house and all the old timey stuff inside. I guess that's yeah, you know it have to be okay, a, an old true. wagon carriage. Yeah, but I suppose you're so weird. By the way, <laughs> you have a you have a taste. You have you have a, a specific. Uh, Specific thing you like, and apparently it's old. Well, but I think uh, none of your vehicles, the newest vehicle you have is from like 2009, right? No, it's 11. 11? Okay. Still, it's over 10 years old. Just. It's 2022 now. Just turned 11. It's over 10. It's not just over 10 years old. It's just over 11. 11. Right, okay, but you said just. Yeah, just over 11. It was... So the age of your other vehicles. Let's go. Let's go through this. Do you want to go through this? Sure. Let's go through this. Okay. So the Corrado. That's that's an, somewhere. That's an eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay. The Mazda is a ninety five. Ninety five. Okay. The Explorer is a two thousand two. Oh, that's newer than I thought. And you got rid of the other one, right? You got another vehicle that you got I rid know. of. I mean, I've had other vehicles, but uh, and then I have a eighty something bike. Um, yeah, I was getting to that. I thought you had another four-wheel vehicle, like full-size vehicle. Okay. Well, you had the camper for yeah. a while, but that's not really a vehicle. It wasn't four wheels, it was two. Two, yeah. Anyway, so your average age of vehicle is somewhere in mid-90s. You got 85, early 80s for the, for the bike. Okay, let's call it a... Yeah, about 96, it seems like. If you were to plot all these out. Okay, now he's going to go do math. He's going to try and prove me wrong here. I'm curious to see what the answer is. He's a professional junkyard operator. 1997. Okay, see, I was not far off. I said mid-90s. 1997 is the average age of your vehicles. That's 25 years ago. 25, your average vehicle that you own is 25 years old. Does that not strike you as unusual? No. <laughs> I guess it I'm, wouldn't strike you because that's well, normal no, for because, you. Okay, I, I think that it would strike someone unusual if they only had one or two cars or one or two vehicles. But right. when you have more, right. no, it's more likely they're going to have that are older because they cost less. And also there's a, there's a whole take two kind of working iterations of the same vehicle and make them into I one mean, really working you know, iteration. The Mazda I bought for $1,200, I think. The Explorer I bought for a thousand. The bike. I think you got your money's worth. The bike. On both I of those. think I, I think I actually got the bike free. And then. Wow. The Corrado I bought. I think I bought the Corrado for twelve hundred. Okay, but don't think it's really fair to say you bought one Corrado. No, but that one was twelve. You were. Okay. I mean, okay, yeah, it also has parts from other. As I recall, it's parts from three different Corrados. Uh, well, no, more right? than that, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So there has been more than three Corrados. Yeah, I've, I've, in your I've owned past. fourteen Corrados. Yeah, I, yes. See, okay, there we go. See, this is I'm trying to build a pattern here, right? And the pattern is you have lots of vehicles, but they have not all been at the same okay, time. That's fair. That's fine. But even right, with so, all these, I would not be a professional, professional car owner. I guess I know car <laughs> car owner. <laughs> Uh, those, I'm sure there are. I mean, such I have I have yeah. worked in shops before. I have gotten paid to do vehicle maintenance before, but 
see, this is the thing is because for me, I don't know. I never know how to say it because it's like, yes, I've gotten paid for it. Yes, I'm good at it, but I don't like calling myself. A, You're not certified. I don't have any certifications for it. No, but you know, right. yeah. I wouldn't call myself a professional mechanic, even though, you know, looking at what I've done in the past and where I've worked in the past, that would apply. Well, okay, so that's one of the organizations, one of the jobs that actually has ASME. You know, you get ASME certified, I believe. There's probably other certification programs too, but if you want to work on vehicles in the United States, you need to get no, certified. Don't. It's going to be, oh. Well, yeah. it, just, it looks good when you have the ASE certified thing hanging in your office. Okay, all right. I thought it was more like liability reasons you wouldn't want to hire just some Joe Schmo off the street. Well, I mean, yeah, for you as the okay. car owner, it's good for you, but I mean, it's not like a legal requirement. Well, I'm saying so the shop owner would maybe prefer to hire people that are certified because it keeps his liability costs down. Someone who does not have the certification is an unknown as far as liability insurance goes, and so that may be more or whatever. I don't know how exactly. You probably would have liability insurance on the shop, not on individual employees. But the um, point stands, you can be, you can get paid uh, to do mechanics work and not be a professional mechanic. Technically, the definition would be yes, you got paid once, therefore you are professional. But I don't, I don't, I would not consider that. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting. Yeah, breakdown. because like it depends on how you look at it. Because hmm. in one, if you look at it from one angle, it's well, you're getting paid to do it, so you're professional. But you could really suck at it or not be good at it. But yet you're technically still getting paid to do it. And it, it's a weird thing because it, 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 thankfully, doesn't happen in every career field. Like if someone says right. I'm a professional surgeon, like you understand that it's both. <laughs> They're getting paid, and they're really good at it. Right. But, you know, that doesn't translate to every other job. Right. Well, let's say that, um, oh, obviously, not all jobs are the same. Let's say also, as an auto mechanic, just sticking with where we were going, there's kind of a lot of skills required to pick up initially, but once you have them... Like, I think we made this argument in an earlier podcast, like the brakes on one system are going to be roughly similar to another manufacturer, right? This vehicle has brakes. That vehicle has brakes. They're both disc brakes. Okay. I understand how disc brake works. I can service this vehicle. Maybe I need to look in the manual and figure out where the screw points are to undo this or whatever, but it's, it's brakes. It's not, it's not that difficult. So the auto mechanics field, you can learn all these skills just because you happen to be working on your own cars, right? Or whatever. Or working on tinkering on your friend's cars, heck, if they'll let you. And you can learn all these skills. I'm still trying to figure out why I wouldn't consider such a person like that a professional. That's an interesting dichotomy to me. It's unfortunate that we use the same word for both. I mean, again, yeah, it is very I think that's because, historically speaking, they were the same thing, effectively. But that's not the case anymore. So like, I never know how to approach that when talking about something and the, the discussion of, you know, if they're a professional or if I'm a professional and something like, what are they actually asking? What do they actually want to know? What is, when someone else says it, what do they actually mean? What are they thinking it means? A lot of time I would wager that people just want assurance that you're not blowing smoke up their skirt. They want to know that you're legit. So, and you've got charlatans that can answer that question wrongly and still come across perfect and you got people more like myself like oh i've done that but i don't know that i would call it professional on some things and again also also auto mechanicery not a word but i'm going to use it 
has changed a lot in the last 10, 15, 20 years as computers have entered into the field so much more. And so now you've got the basic maintenance stuff that you can do. And then if you want to do something more exotic than that, well, take it to the dealership. Good luck. Well, I, that's because they need the computers and the software to actually do the scanning and, and all the diagnostic stuff. Because in many ways, the, it's easier now. Because you're literally just plugging it in and it's saying, oh, this sensor's bad. Rip that sensor off, replace it, and then you're good. Whereas in the past, you had to actually understand how the fuel system worked. And, you know, well, you know, if it's getting lean at this part of the RPM range, it, it could be possibly be this, or it could possibly be this, or it could possibly be this. And then you had to kind of diagnose of that what was the most likely. And then, and I mean, it's still the case on service receipts now, where it says, you know, this is an estimate. Because back in the day, they really, depending on what the issue was, they wouldn't know what it was until they actually started digging in and actually replacing parts and then finding, oh, actually, this was the problem. That's less of a case now, although now they can get in and then find that there's another problem. Right. In the past, it was, you know, you had to figure out what the problem was in the first place. There was, there was almost an art to yeah. it, like to understanding what the engine was doing and, and yada, yada, yada. Now, engines are so highly refined that uh, there's not much to do. That's that's gross over oversimplification. And because of manufacturing, still. it's cheaper for the service place and the the um, it's actually more profitable for the manufacturers to make things. So it's just you don't worry about trying to fix the thing; you just rip it off and put in a new one. Right. That's a very American approach to the the problem. You know, if there's if but, there's a problem uh, yeah. with the master cylinder. It's not, okay, we're going to pull this off, we're going to try to replace the sensor, uh, might try to clean it out, might No, you're just going to be like, rip it out, put in a new one, we're done. Yeah. Well, it's, it simplifies their production supply chains, and a lot of the uh, auto parts manufacturers have been cut down to practically nothing. Well, that, and they get to sell a 20. several hundred dollar master cylinder instead of a $40 sensor. Twelve dollar, yeah, forty. Right, I'm not saying twelve dollar sensor. Ha ha. Not for a well, long that's time. What, that's, the sensor spent twelve dollars. That's what they used to charge. Now it's a forty dollar sensor, even though it still right. costs them twelve cents to make. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very aggravating, but that's just part of it. So I guess uh, winding back all the way up to the top of the conversation, I would like for there to be a different term for one of those two uses of professional, and it would help create more clarity, I guess. And I don't have a good substitute. But um, maybe a listener does. So I'm kind of curious what uh, people think of the two uses of the same word. And maybe there's other uses that we don't think about, but I, that's the two main ones that I think of. So I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody have... in, our, in our Matrix and Telegram channel that, that we talk with on an average basis, I'm sure they know people who you know, work in software development or work in sysadmin that just, like, yeah, they get paid for it, but they just suck. But then they also know people who don't get paid on it that are just absolutely brilliant. But yet... I'm sure, what, yeah. I mean, you could say both of them are professional, but you could also say both of them aren't. So, yeah, I'm curious what people think. Yeah, the, the word that came to... The phrase that came to mind is, there is no justice in the world. But that's not true either. But just, like, the people that are brilliant and don't get paid for it, I'm like, how are you so brilliant to this? Why aren't you getting paid? We need you in the field. Because there's a lot of really bad developers out there. None of them in our channels, of course. None of our listeners would be falling into that. <clears throat> anyway, so Matrix and Telegram channels, probably a good place to have such a discussion. I'm interested to hear what our listeners have to say. There's any additional definitions and, and kind of anecdotes of people you've run into that 
they position themselves as a professional, but you're kind of like, I don't know about that. Kind of tease back into the Herbert problem from a while back. So, uh, and I, we had some good, solid discussion about Herbert kind of people back then. So this might bring some of that back up. If a uh, synchronous conversation is not your style and you just want to send a message to us, there's two real good ways to do that. One, just send an email to jt at minddripmedia.com. You can also go to our fireside site and submit a message from there, which I think ends up going to jt at minddripmedia.com mm -hmm. anyway. So, so those are the major ways to get in contact with us, and I'm certain we'll be discussing this in our Telegram and Matrix channels. Because there's, there's kind of a lot to unpack there, and I'm, I'm curious what our listeners would have to say. Mm -hmm. Any closing thoughts, JT? Um, no, none come to mind. Any for you? Be professional to each other. <laughs>